The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, my friends, and thanks for joining us once again for Afternoons with Mike, heard daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network. I'm up in the Gainesville studios, and boy, I am uh, so excited about my friend, Jim Gilbert, who is with me here today. Jim lives in the Gainesville area. Jim is a former worship leader. He is an author of several books. He wrote Terry Law's Story, Storm Chaser, and then he also wrote Unmasking Isis and The Worldview Course. So this guy's been busy. You may know if you are like I am, one of the old Hosanna music fans. Jim was a worship leader on, in my mind, one of the best recordings that Hosanna put out called Lamb of God. And it was a great one. The songs on it are memorable. The last time I had Jim on was in 2019. My goodness, going on four years. Jim, welcome back. Thank you. I appreciate it. Glad to see you, bud. <laughs> it's so great. You know, we met when I lived up here in Gainesville. And it's it's really crazy, uh, ironic, when I think back to meeting you and then realizing that you were a worship guy, that you had traveled extensively not just in the U.S., but with Terry Law all over the world. And you've done a bunch of music with him. Uh, you did, I did not realize at that point in time that you were that guy that did the, the songs that I love so much on uh, the Hosanna album, yeah. Lamb of God. Twilight, that, Par- Twilight Paris wrote the title song of that album. That's right. Yeah. So you you got to do that, and uh, just recently I, I thought I've got to give Jim a call because I was up early one morning and going through as I sometimes do, looking for some of those old songs that I just love from the nineties, eighties, and nineties. Started in the late eight, uh, early eighties actually, with um, the song the Blue album that came out was which was Hosanna's kind of like the first one came out of Ron Tucker's church, St. Right. Louis. Yeah. That was the very beginning. I think that was 1985. Yeah. Yeah. So starting with that one, I mean, the the songs that are on these Hosannas, uh, kind of like those were what God used in this whole, what I would call a worship revival, without any doubt. I mean, it was nothing less than a move of God in the area of worship, where people were just discovering these wonderful songs that they were just just great, and you were right there. Yeah. uh, You know, in... um all the way back in the early 70s when we were had just gotten getting started uh this this teenager joined our team uh, you know we kind of pioneered the use of contemporary music in missions and there was this this uh, sophomore at ORU a kid named Don Moen who uh <laughs> who's now in the Gospel Music Hall of Fame but back then he 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 played he started out playing violin of course the, the fingering is you know has a lot in common with bass and when he went he actually went to to the ORU jazz band to ask him if he could join him as a trombonist because he played that as well. And they said, no, but we need a bassist. And he played a little bit of guitar, but he figured, okay, the, the fingering is the same on a bass. And so he, he bought a, a legendary model, actually, of a Fender bass. He got a, he got a deal on it. And I'm telling you Don's life story, but it's, it's really cool. And so he, he uh, within three weeks, was playing bass proficiently, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Reminds me of Sting. Because he, you know, he does the same thing with yeah, the instruments. Yeah, he does. So um, Don joined us, played everything under the sun. Eventually became one of the music directors on one of our teams. We had multiple teams. Traveled all over the world with Terry Law and with with and and me and others and and um, and then uh, Terry was Terry had a massive breakthrough in his personal life after his 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 wife was tragically killed in a car accident and he he was just in this dark night of the soul and um he he, when he came out of that it was through praising god Oral roberts had advised him you just need to praise god in your circumstances and after a few months he had this massive breakthrough and it was so great that um eventually uh new wine magazine asked him from mobile asked him to write 
a series of articles on praise and worship, and they got the largest three articles. They got the largest response they'd ever had. So they polled their reading audience and said, what would you be interested in? And one of the things they listed was a subscription of the latest uh, Christian songs, worship songs from around the country, and that got the huge response. So they shut down the magazine and started Hosanna, Integrity Hosanna Music. And, uh, and then the, they asked uh, Terry for recommendations on worship leaders. And of course, they had met, they had met Kent Henry. Um, they had met, oh, what's his name that wrote? Um, I'll think a bit later. Anyway, when I'm off the radio, I'll think of it later. <laughs> anyway, they, they, There's had, so many. they had one or two. Um, and, uh, and then Terry said, well, Don, you know, Don does a good job. And he had been up there, I think with Terry once. And he was the, he was just traveling with Terry solo, not, leading worship not not with a team at that point and hosanna asked him to do that he went down did the give thanks album it was only their seventh project they'd ever done and it became the best seller it it was the the huge it eventually went platinum and then they asked don would you like to be a producer with us and and terry said look this is if this looks like what god's calling you to do just leave me and go there god will take care of me which i appreciate on he wasn't territorial He, he really cared about the best for Don's life, the best for my life. And so, so Don, uh, headed Hosanna, eventually became their main producer, then the president for 20 years. He's still going strong. He lives in, in Franklin, Tennessee, in the Nashville area. We see each other once in a while and, and, uh, yeah, we just, we're lifelong, lifelong buds. You know, speaking of Don, I mentioned this to you, but I had that one encounter with Don. I loved his music and, you know, you can't, I just want to be where you are. I mean, things like that. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Uh, I just loved it, ate it up. One Sunday afternoon, this would be probably early afternoon, one o'clock, two o'clock. I get a phone call in Orlando and I was living there then. I'm living there again now, as you know. And the person on the line says, hey, we have Don Moen coming in town tonight. He's going to do a concert. Our bass player just fell ill, cannot make it. Can you fill in? So I, I, I cool. let me, let me think and pray. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'll be where, where and what time you want me there. So I got to go and meet him and stand behind him. It was, it was basically just a few musicians and Don who was on a grand piano and he killed it. He just killed it. And I'm, I'm sitting up there. It was one of those nights like, okay, this is almost like a bucket list thing you get yeah, to do. You know? Sure, sure. It was so much fun. And the guy's the same. He's the same in the living room as he is on a platform. doesn't matter how many people there. He's, he's sung at the Vatican twice now. It doesn't matter who he's with. He's the same guy all the time. It's one of the meekest men I've ever met in my life. Uh, he's a great leader, and uh, just a, it sounds that humility comes through. Sounds so genuine, and uh, you know you feel. I know he probably hears this all the time. People feel like they know him because of those yeah, Hosanna yeah. records. No, that's exactly right. And that you know the the two of us, our lives merged uh, around Terry Law's calling, and eventually, I told Terry years earlier. I said, "You need to." You need somebody to write your life story. And, and he came back. He said, well, who would want to read it? And then he spoke at Old Roberts University one time, and the students were just flocking to the front asking, how do I, how can I join what you do? And then he came to me. He said, you know what? Maybe writing that life story is a good idea. He said, but you need to be the guy to do it. And I'd never written a biographical work. So I started working on this. I knew a good writing coach. Um, and and so now I needed his services. So I started working on on this biography and one day it hit me you know we're from oklahoma right now i lived in florida now almost 30 years but but we're in oklahoma and and i'm thinking that's where all the tornado chasers are that's where the storm chasers are yeah now that that's who terry is and so the book turned out i've got i don't know about 100 interviews they're five-star interviews i appreciate that people say this ought to be a movie I hope that happens sometimes. Dallas Jenkins, are you listening? Um, just follow Jesus with with That's right. follow Jesus. Follow chosen with this. Yeah, with Terry Law. There you go. But but I mean, if you can make machine gun preacher, you can certainly do storm chaser. Yeah. He, 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 he's, he he might have been excited to have a machine gun a few times. We got ambushed once, and they had him against us. But you oh. know, he he um, Terry Terry was was this marvelous guy 
who always wanted the best for my life. And, and Don and I just stayed close with him on the road for decades and we're close to the end. Right. And the speaking of the end, 2020, he got his graduation to heaven. So yeah. he passed away what in August of that year. Yeah. The last day of August, we, we talked on Thursday. He said, Jim, they tell me I have to have this stupid heart surgery tomorrow. It's like, I don't know, five way something or other. And I thought, Oh man, a five day, a five way something or other. Wow. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's in his late seventies and they had to do two additional surgeries and he had a marvelous, uh, uh, physicians, but, and surgeons, but, uh, but he, on Monday, he just expired. His, his body could no longer, he had, he had buffeted his body for 55 years at that point, 56 years of ministry. And he just had, he had no strength left, but he never would have quit. We were getting ready to go back to Iraq together. And I, I told him, I said, man, I want to put you in business class. We, I managed to raise the funds to do this. He said, okay, thanks. I'll, I'll talk to you, talk to you after this weekend. And that was the last conversation we had. Oh, you know, even though, you know, we're, none of us are going to be around forever. It's always so hard when someone you love like that, someone with whom you've worked yeah. as closely as you and Terry worked for that day to come, it's got to be tough. Yeah. You know, we, we, I always looked at him like an older brother, but after he passed away, I felt more like I'd lost my dad again. Mm. And I, it really surprised me. And, and there is not a, I've lost close friends before. I miss them like crazy, but I haven't felt the same void. We talked almost every day because we were always going to write another book together. And, you know, we did a few books together and, and, um, and doing his life story, I knew more details about him than just about anybody else. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, um, well, it's, it, 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 you know, he always said the greatest wish in his life was to hear the words, well done, good and faithful yeah. servant, yeah. which he's heard by now. And it just, so it, it makes me one, one step closer and more that's eager. That's right. That's right. Um, As the old song said, heaven just got a little sweeter. Yeah. Yeah. For you and for all of us that love Terry on his book on worship. Uh, was just groundbreaking that book yeah. power of praise and worship power of praise and worship yeah. yep back in the day is one of those uh, initial books that most worship leaders would have found and had in their library like yeah. i yeah and you know there were a number of people that when you think of those early days in the 80s when god was doing this worship uh revival and i guess you could say people were becoming more connected in a non Sunday morning way, they were right. you know, people. I mean, they, they came out with that thing of a monthly subscription or every other month or whatever it was, it was every other month, every first, other yeah. month subscription, which I was a part of. I couldn't wait for the next one to come. And yeah. that, you know, you'd wear out the cassette tape that you had back in the day. That's how I got them. They were, sure, cassette they tapes. were tapes and then CDs. Yeah. And you're right. I, I mean, the good thing was, um, you, you it, it was in a portable form so you could listen while you drove just now like now you can listen to podcasts while you drive and right i i watch more youtube than i do network tv by far you know it's just or i'll listen to it while i'm driving along and obviously not watching but i'm listening to it right yeah so um th that made a huge a huge difference in fact one of the one of the projects that we had was to do a russian version of the of one of the hosanna projects because we had all the, you know, Don had all the instrument tracks, and so I knew a good a good Russian uh, worship leader, and and they had met him before, and I I knew how to contact him, and so he ended up being, uh, they recorded it in the U.S. with with Russian immigrants, and then our friend Yuri was was the worship leader, and it was called Heal Our Land, um, and they they we had already put together in the Soviet Union days, we had put together a, a, an underground recording studio with really high quality uh, cassette tapes and duplicators and a hidden location. We could move them if we needed to. It's a lot easier than a printing press. We'd also smuggled a printing press in piece by piece. So you could print Bibles, but it was, it was much easier to duplicate tapes, the Bible on cassette, and if you got caught to throw them in a fire, they burned very quickly. So that that was successful in the underground on on Bible, but then when Bible started to become more more available, 
we had these duplicators, and, and, and Terry had this idea of why don't we do a worship, a worship tape in Russian. And that, um, that not only got distributed, I don't know how many, five million or something of that got distributed around the Soviet, former Soviet Union by, the, by then. So, you know, Russia itself is vast. It's 11 time zones wide. Um, and, wow. and then yeah. uh, now it's streamed and still going. 30-some years later, it's still a major download over there. Isn't that something? And you just have no way of knowing up front the breadth of how that reach is going to go and oh, it's that it's going, to, yeah. it's going to stay around as long as it yeah. has. And there are two guys who, now Don is better known now than he was. Terry was well-known within his circles, in fact, legendary within his circles. Um, and, and Storm Chaser now is in is in an awful lot of missions libraries right along with Peace Child and and Brother Andrew's book and, and Cross and Switchblade and all those. Yeah, right. But um, but Terry, uh, Terry just had this massive effect all over the world. I mean, if you remember what they called the surge during the Iraqi war in 2007, where they got the Sunnis to join forces with, instead of resisting, uh, to join forces, and that helped turn the tide in the war. Well, that, it was because in, in the background, um, th- these, these, the Sunni sheikhs lived in Amman, Jordan, the ones who controlled western Iraq. They lived in Amman, Jordan, and they were watching Terry, thinking that he worked for President Bush. And so they invited him. At, against the White House's ad- advice, he went to meet these Sunni sheikhs. And, you know, they were grateful for him and all that. In fact, they offered him a wife, uh, <laughs> 15-year-old <laughs> oh my uh, wife. And he, he, he left. He said, no, my life is too tough. Okay. <laughs> he, he wheeled his way out of it. But they were, um, you know, he said, he said that these seven sheikhs pulled up in seven white stretch limos at the airport and put his translator in another one from him. So he, he didn't know exactly what was going to happen to him. He, he thought, you know, is this a trap? But they asked, what can we do? And he still hadn't told him he didn't work for the president. So I said, what can we do? What do you advise? And he said, quit resisting and join the coalition. And a couple of weeks later, I don't think he was the same person telling them that, but he was the one that they had learned to trust the most because they'd seen all his charitable work happening in Iraq. He, he, he started charitable work in Iraq before Saddam was even ousted. Wow. So they had seen all that. They trusted him. And a couple of weeks later, that started the process to where the, the surge happened. I mean, he, he really, behind the scenes, had an effect there. He was friends with Pope John Paul II, um, had a big effect in that part of the world, worked with Lech Wałęsa in Poland, had a huge effect there. Don was Don Moen was part of that. Um, those two guys have had a massive outreach mm-hmm. in the world. And there are some countries like Poland that will say, our history was changed because of 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 them of them and because of the, the, their group. What a marvelous thing! And I know Ukraine. We're going to be talking about that in yep. our next segment. Uh, you, the impact you guys have had on Ukraine is just huge. And I'm grateful for what you've done. We're up against a break. My guest is Jim Gilbert, James Gilbert. If you're interested in checking out his books like Storm Chaser, Unmasking ISIS, The Worldview Course, or, uh, you know, all, all the other things that Jim has done, look for this. It's under the name jamesgilbert.org, jamesgilbert.org. We'll be back with Jim in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. 
Fun chat today with my friend Jim Gilbert. Jim is the author of Storm Chaser, also Unmasking ISIS, the Worldview Course. Jim traveled for many, many years as a worship leader, part of the group that Terry Law led, which was just groundbreaking stuff that Terry did across the world. And Jim is still very involved in missions work. I know that that's kind of like the big yeah. love of your life right now. I mean, yeah. you're definitely rooted in Gainesville. You're a part of the Rock Church and have been right. for years. Yeah, for over 20 years. Yeah, we uh, we moved to Gainesville in, in 1999. We moved to Florida in 94. And I, you know what? I, I used to tell people, I lived in Tulsa. I loved living in Tulsa, but the Lord really spoke in our hearts to make a move. And and oddly enough, to Florida. I only knew one guy in Florida. I thought Florida was Disney World surrounded by trailer parks. And that was all I thought. It's like number 47 on my list of states. And to live. Now, you know, it's great for vacations. That's what I thought, right? So so um, I knew one person uh, who's a distant relative in Clearwater. And, and so I knew we were supposed to come. And so we were in Clearwater for five years. But we hadn't been there very long when... Uh, a Russian immigrant was coming over and he was going to live in Gainesville and be at this church called The Rock. And so uh, he said, yeah, we said, we'll, we'll meet at the Orlando airport. This was in 94. And so we met there and it happened to be that we met the pastor and his wife from The Rock. We hit it off, actually taking this guy and his family to McDonald's as their first U.S. meal. We thought that should be well, you know, there you their go. christening yeah. right there, right? True Americana so, there. Yeah, it's, that's your sort of your American baptism is is in fryer grease. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, we we uh, we hit it off. It took five years to move here. Um, just we were going slowly. You know, we'd made a big move. I never like to make big moves. We'd made this big move to Florida, and 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 yet I knew somewhere in my heart I knew that. Clearwater was temporary, and I didn't know Gainesville at all. Man, I love living here. This is—I'm a confirmed Floridian. I actually wear a hoodie when it's 65 degrees. There you That's, go. I mean, your blood turns to orange juice. Still, after I'm this. still wearing shorts, but I'm wearing a hoodie. <laughs> That's the mark of a true Floridian. So, yeah, it's, I, I love living here, and 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 we we've never stopped. Yeah, you know, one of the things that working with Terry Law uh, caused to happen is. You know, I mentioned Don Moe in an earlier segment. Don and, and I and, and several others, we continued going to places that other people would run from. Because in, if, if people, Earl Roberts had told Terry one time when he was a student, wherever other people are running from, there's where the greatest opportunity is. It's like Storm Chaser. You know that the eye of the storm is calm. If you can get to the eye, you're safe. Um, and, 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 there's, and the eye is a spiritual thing. So... I love that. I love that little song. You can you can dance in a hurricane, but only in the eye. I just love that song. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, I've continued going uh, to places like um, well, there's one just south of Key West. I won't name, but uh, not far from Key West is a country that I love to go to. So I've been down there, um, and uh, and then to quite a quite a few times to Iraq, um, and of course. I've, back during Soviet and post-Soviet days about 35 times to what was the Soviet Union. Uh, so I, I know a lot of places. Uh, now they've changed drastically. I'd need a roadmap, but I knew a lot of places by heart. I, I, mm-hmm. didn't even, I did not need a, a roadmap when I was there. Yeah, all of the so, uh, world globes and things like that, all the big maps ha- had to yeah. be changed dramatically. Oh, dramatically. Yeah, I mean, I would never recognize. Estonia was like a second home for us, little Estonia. I would never recognize it. It even 10 years after when I went back after the change. And the same is true in other places. You know, I went to Singapore the first time in 1974. It was like a shanty town. Now it's this world-class super city. Mm-hmm. Same thing in China. I'm there in, in a city called Shenyang one year, and uh, and there's this busy street and whatnot. And I go back one year later, and the busy street is now a pedestrian, a pedestrian walkway and there's a 40-story building that hadn't even broken ground. A year later, a 40-story building there. Now, who knows if it's built well, but there's a 40-story building there. I mean, so much of the world changes so fast. I was in Poland recently having to do with Ukraine. I was in Poland um, in September of this past year. Was took my daughter there. She turned 21 there. And um, 
And it's the first country safe enough to take her to. So she hadn't been overseas with me since she was a baby. So we went, we went to Poland to work with Ukrainian refugees that we'd been supporting. And, and, uh, and I would never have, I hadn't been to Poland in many years. And it's just such a most beautiful, modern, wonderful place. And I, I'm going back now. In another uh, two and a half months, I'll be back there again. Wow. So now, since this last year, have you crossed the border into Ukraine since uh, Russia invaded? Uh, no, um, we were we were got to within about uh, two or three miles of the border on this trip in 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 uh, in September, uh, but we were advised not to go in. Now we can go in if we get special insurance. We can go in. We found that out. So I, I'm hoping to to go into the Western Ukraine at least. Um, but you know, I'd been to Ukraine in 1980. I'd never been back. I've uh, been to other parts of the Soviet Union and been close to Ukraine, but never been back to Kiev or or any or Krakow or any of those mm-hmm. places. And and our ministry behind the Iron Curtain, it started in the city of Krakow in 1972 during communist times um, when we did a concert where they didn't know we were Christians. We didn't know it was the Youth Communist Party that was sponsoring the concert. And so they were they actually hosting this Christian band unwittingly. Oh, I remember you telling so, that story. Yeah, so that... We Some became, tense moments there. Oh, very tense. But but what happened was it was such an embarrassment of the Communist Party. And, and Krakow, the city where it happened, was home to 50,000 Ukrainian or 50,000 Polish uh, college students, all of whom hated communism and all of whom were interested in Christianity, but it was suppressed. And so uh, and it was also the hometown of of the younger of the two cardinals named Cardinal Wojtyla who later on became better known as Pope John Paul II. Mm-hmm. And when he found out about the group as a cardinal there, he loved the group. And so we became really well known in Poland, even during communist times. And then, of course, when they got the freedom, we could go back many, many times. And we he became pope. We could go back to there and many other countries that he opened up as pope, knowing that we were, for in those days, all Protestants. He didn't care. Um, he was... If, if you get my drift, he was the Catholic hostile. Pope John Paul II was, um, but but um, yeah, it, it all all these things opened up widely. And here I hadn't been back to Poland in decades. I get there in 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 uh, in September, and a friend that was with me, or I was with him actually. He was organizing the trip. Another guy I used to work with in in Living Sound, our group. Uh, but he he had been over there a couple of months earlier, and so when he introduced me to somebody, that he'd mentioned a particular song. I had written a little chorus called I Love You with the Love of the Lord, <laughs> right. which, which apparently they still sing over there quite often. So kind of medley of my hit, the only well-known song I ever wrote. But but uh, at, at that point, suddenly I was welcomed like a cross between George Washington and Mozart. <laughs> so, uh, you know, everywhere we went, people would recognize us from 40 years earlier. They would recognize us. And and so we had it. We had this wonderful time in Poland, and, and if if you if you allow me, let me go back to see why this is Poland is all about Ukraine. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when the Ukraine war started um, last February, a, a week ago, a year ago tomorrow, was when Russia attacked. Um, I'm dating your your broadcast. That's but, okay. This is that's so, fine. But it was a week a, a year ago tomorrow they invaded. And I, it started, you know, it made the news, but then the Ukrainian resistance within about a week, people were realizing, you know, we got to help people there because Putin was bombing places where a lot of Christians live in Ukraine and, and it wouldn't matter. They're Ukrainians. And, and it was obvious they wanted to fight back. And so I I had, I just thought there's something in my heart. There's something we've got to do. We've got to do. We've got to do. And I had had outreaches, you know, to, to pull, to, to Iraq and other places like that, <clears throat> but I'd never raised over twenty thousand dollars total, even to be able to go to to Iraq. I'd paid for the shipping of a huge container full of free supplies. Um, I say I, I mean our donors had, but I'd never raised any more than that. And I just said to my wife, "We got to do something. We got to do something." And oddly enough, what's in my heart is to do a fundraiser on Facebook. In other words, fundraiser and Facebook don't typically go together, you know, unless you're raising five hundred dollars for your dog's surgery. And I understand that, you know, people, that's a legitimate fundraiser, but it's usually that, or for my birthday, I'm going to support such and such charity and it's 250 bucks or whatever. 
<clears throat> and um, occasionally a missions trip somebody's taken, they've got to raise $1,500 for their ticket or whatever. And I just had this large figure in, in, in my heart. And so I talked to my wife about it, and I, and I called our vice president. To, when Terry Law was still living, he was my vice president for years. I was reminded him of that. If you become really well known, <laughs> you just remember you're my vice president. That's right. But he had been replaced by another lifelong friend. I called him up in Maryland, and both he and my wife suggested a figure that was half of what I had in my heart. And he said, he thinks, well, why don't you start with $50,000? And I said, well, what's in my heart is a lot bigger than that, but it's Facebook. Um, I said, let me make a couple of calls. And I said, I th this is one of those times we're going to do two things we've never done. One, we're going to take from the funds we have in the bank because we've never, I mean, you, we just have a very small budget. You know, my world headquarters is the second door on the left, second bedroom <laughs> on the left. But, but I just, I thought, okay, I know what's in my heart. So he said, let's, why don't you start with 50,000? I said, well, let me make a couple of phone calls. But I told him what I wanted to do. I want to seed this. He said, I'll match that. And then he said, in fact, no, let me, let me go a bit higher. So then I called a couple of friends here in town. They said, oh, yeah. And I called a friend in California. Oh, yeah, I want to be part of this. And, and in 24 hours, I had $44,000 before ever announcing it on Facebook. So 50000 seemed small. So I said, Graham, to my vice president, I said, I, I, I want to raise this at least to seventy-five, but I think we're going to go past there. He said, well, okay, go ahead. And he's a guy of great faith himself. Well, we hit 75000 in about three weeks. And I told people, you know, I don't want to. I don't. I don't know if this is humility or poor stewardship, but I've never done a bit of big thing about raising money. I just don't like when you have like the, the crisis of the month newsletter, where you're, you're. If you don't have some, you know, if you're not getting Bibles to the army or getting the prime minister's wife saved or something like that, there's, it's hard to raise support if you're in if you're in missions work, and so, um, ministries, missions ministries can become dependent on what their latest project is. Mm -hmm. And I've always thought, you know, the laborer is worthy of his wages, and if people support us, it's going to be because they believe in us. So we have a small base, but we've been able to work from it, and we've been able to accomplish some big things with a little bit. You know, I mean, I've ended up consulting to the Kurdish government on religious freedom, and that's that's a huge privilege. It didn't come because somebody funded it. It didn't come because it was a project. So You've just built relationships. Just built relationships over yeah. the years. And I've always been... For a guy who travels so much, I was always a very relational person. So um, I, I just typically, that's just typically the way we've worked. So I haven't really, I'm not known for raising money. So this time I said, I'm going to go on Facebook and I'm going to be bold. And I went on and I said, look, if you've, if you've followed us since when we joined Facebook in 2009, if you've followed us, if you, you know, it's like 4,000 friends and about 500 of them really pay attention to what we post. I said, I'd, you know I don't ask for money very rarely, and if I do, it's not a lot. This time, I'm asking you, instead of giving what you usually give, at least double it or add a zero after it, because these Ukrainians, they don't. the war doesn't end when you change channels to sports. The war doesn't end when there's a commercial. These guys are fighting for their lives. They're losing everything they have, and they're fighting for their lives. And I, wanna, I, I want us to really work and take this to heart. And the money just started pouring in. And I said, I, if you believe in us, great. If you're new and you don't send anything, that's fine. But I know that people understand who we are. They understand that, that, that we're not in. And, and I did one other thing besides seeding money. I said, I don't usually like this policy where you say 100% of every dollar you send will go. Because I think the laborer is worthy of his wages. So there has to be something taken out for overhead usually. But this one time I said to my wife, I think we're supposed to just Put, put a little bit to, in to start it. It's actually more than a little bit for us, but let's start it that way and then tell them we're not going to, this one time we're not going to take anything out. We're going to send everything. And over the next 10 months, 11 months, well, by, no, by the end of 2022, so in a 10 month period, we were able to raise $130,000 and we sent 133000 Wow. overseas. About wow. half of it into Ukraine and about half of it to Poland, where there are over 2 million Ukrainian refugees. Yes. And these refugees, you're right, and these that have left, many of their areas have been bombed out or uh, just not the, the whole infrastructure has been affected oh, the, in this area. The, es the escape stories themselves of people we met were 
incredible. Unbelievable. And even tonight, there's going to be a conference in Orlando that I'm going to be taking part of. There will be several Ukrainian pastors who have just come into the U.S. Oh, good. And they've gotten approval for it. And so I'll get to see them tonight. But, you know, when you think about what's gone on, why do you think in the time we've got left, we've got just about two minutes left in this segment. Why, what is it about Ukraine? What is it about this particular conflict that has just caught the attention and the hearts of so many believers? The Ukrainians have a great national pride. Their language differs from Russian, kind of like Spanish differs from Italian or French. Um, th- so they're similar. But it was Ukraine, it was St. Basil, actually gave the Ukrainians their alphabet and then took it to what is now Russia, the Cyrillic alphabet. And so the Ukrainians feel like the older brother that are just overshadowed by how big Russia is. And Russia's always had this, the old, the old Russian word for peace was the word mir, which is also the old Russian word for world. So when a Russian would talk about world peace, it was a pun. Um, and, and, and they, under the czars, their view of peace with a neighbor was to dominate them. You didn't have, you did not have peace unless you dominated. When Putin took power and consolidated his power, it became clear to people who understood that part of the world, he didn't want to reconstitute the Soviet Union, which you hear on some network. He wanted to reconstitute the Tsarist Empire, and that mm-hmm. would include Finland and Sweden, which is why they are now joining NATO. It would include many parts of Europe, and that's what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, he had. Uh, that, that's his motivation. So Ukraine wants to keep their freedom that they got earlier on, and he took part of it from them in 2014. They want their country. They want what he took in 2014, and they want to keep their nationality, and, and they want peace, but they don't want to be dominated. And they are fierce about they're, they're either going to live or they're going to die, but they're not going to give in. And they've demonstrated that yep. without a doubt. They put up a fight that uh, I think most Americans watching this, they've been rather impressed with their fortitude, with their remarkable. strength, just their courage. It is amazing. And you've raised $130,000. Congratulations on Thanks. that. Thanks, and we're going again this year. That's wonderful. Jim Gilbert is my guest. We'll be back with Jim for one more segment. If you'd like to find information about Jim's work, go to jamesgilbert.org. I'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, And yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. My friend Jim Gilbert is here in the studios in Gainesville with me at our Gainesville location. And, you know, Jim, I think back of you and uh, going back to what we talked about in segment one, those early Hosanna albums, those things were a treat to listen to back then. I mean, they were groundbreaking, well done, lots of orchestration. Yeah, they were. And, and I think class. I think that's really what set it aside because a lot of people had never heard uh, a philharmonic sound coming behind Christian Christian tunes. I mean, that just wasn't being done. Right. No, it, they were they were very very well-produced from the very beginning. They really were. And you got to be part of that. Now, when you were in the recording part uh, of that whole thing, what was that like? Walk us through that. Well, I was part of the number of all their projects. It was number 14. You know, I mentioned Don Moon's Give Thanks album was number seven. Don put them on to several of his friends, including me, um, who became worship leaders in subsequent projects. And um, I... It's the only project they ever did where they had one worship leader in England and, and a different one in, in Europe and a different one in the U.S. So I did the U.S. version of Lamb of God. Graham Kendrick oh my goodness. Did, the, did the British version of it because he had a couple of songs on the album. My songs are too esoteric, so I didn't have any songs on the album. But I had, I had great songs, you know, Lamb of God and Song for the Nations and a lot of really cool songs. Yeah. Uh, Lord, have mercy on us. That was a beautiful song. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, but I was actually in a studio rather than the live, the live recording had already been recorded with Graham. 
and they wanted to isolate. And so they put me in a, in a, just a little room about the size of this, of this booth that we're in now. And I, I sang there, just closed my eyes and let myself be in that group, in that crowd. Um, and it was a man, it was at Tom Brooks's home. He was producing, uh, that one. And, uh, and it was just a wonderful privilege to be part of it. Now, you know, it's been so long now that I've gotten to calling it Jurassic Praise. When people <laughs> ask me, which album were you on? I just say Jurassic Praise. So That's funny. And yet it's still timely. I mean, the, the songs are still still listenable. They really absolutely. are. And yeah. they're memorable. Yeah. And, you know, there's something about the dynamic of songs that were written in that era that they the first time you heard them, they were like hooked you. Yeah. And you and you got it and you wanted to hear it again and again and again. So I know that that had to be something you're basically in a vocal booth with headsets on and hearing this yeah. amazing choir and singers and band and orchestra. Oh, yeah. Just it's a it's an exhilarating thing. And, you know, there look, there are some things in life I will never be good at. If you ever saw me play basketball, I am the original white man who can't jump, right? I'm flat-footed, horrible. Um, but there are some things that you learn to do. And, and, and Lord knows if your ego's not up front, you can glorify him with them. And so there are certain times where you do something well and you hear him say in your, in your mind after you hear him say, good job, yeah. good job. And I knew one of the things I could do uh, from time to time was just nail a note, you know, do a song, and I know I'm, there are certain times we'd have a concert because we were doing three hundred concerts a year at one point, and and, and there was there, there were, my voice was really strong, and there were times I'd walk out to sing a certain song, and I knew we're absolutely going to nail this. I'm going to nail this song, and there's going to be standing ovation, not because I'm so great, but because God is going to be glorified, and I don't care if there's ten people or ten thousand people in the audience. I'm singing to him. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and that makes the difference. It makes a big difference. When you look back on all those experiences, both in the U.S., internationally, is there a particular favorite moment that you've had in leading worship? Um, boy, you know, there are, there are memorable moments um, all the way back into, even into the 70s, all the way back. I I met a, a pastor. I was I was back in South Africa after having been there a few times before. I was back in South Africa uh, years later uh, after having been there. As, I was only nineteen, the first missions trip we ever took to South Africa, and and I go go to this very big church, and it's like this highly publicized church, and I get invited to be there on a Sunday night. I'm thinking. I say to my wife, "Well, we're going to meet an assistant pastor, and the senior pastor is a really important guy. He maybe show up later." But instead, the senior pastor welcomes us, and he's treating us like like George and Martha Washington. You just, you know, honoring us and all that. And I'm thinking, why are we? It's like the red carpet, and it's this big church. Why is this guy doing this? And then, right before I'll get choked up telling you this, right before we walked out to minister, he said, "You know, it was when you were singing Andre Crouch's song." Now I was 20 years old when I did this. When you were singing Andre Crouch's song, My Tribute, To God mm -hmm. Be the Glory, To God Be the oh, Glory. That's a great song. When you were singing that, in the middle of that song, I answered the call to the ministry. <sighs> and I've always, my call to the ministry has always been associated with you singing. So obviously I had to do that song for him. There are moments like that. You, there's another time you say, well, you know, you, you spoke and I'd never been to church. And you were singing that, that day or you, or you spoke you spoke that morning. Um, and... I gave my life to the Lord, and now I'm pastoring a church. I've always wanted to say thank you. Um, same thing. It, it's it's the after moments rather than the in concert moments. I was in Lithuania after the Soviet Union fell apart, and I had been there during the Soviet times as well. Now I'm back 11 years later. Well, 11 years earlier, it had gone horribly. We were in a Russian Pentecostal church, and the, and the people were very rude to us. They had heard rumors, and and in those days, Russian Pentecostal basically meant all the things you don't believe in doing. It was just, it was extremely legalistic and really imprisoned. And so we had, we had been received rudely, but we'd been received because they knew they had to go ahead. I offered to not even go on the platform and they said, no, you can go because they were feeling a little guilty about how rude they'd been. Even in the middle of one of the dirges that they sang 
for their hymns. Everything was in minor keys because major keys were frivolous. So even in one of the songs, in the middle of one of the songs, a man marched up out of the congregation and wagged his finger in me and yelled at me in the middle of a song of, a, of, a, of one of their hymns before wow. I ever did anything. And my translator said, he says, it's rude to hold your Bible the way you're holding it. And I, so... Yeah, that, yeah, we would never know that. So when I got the platform, yeah. I, had the, I had the unique freedom that you have when you have nothing left to lose. Because then you, you got real freedom. I thought, well, they'll never invite us back. And so, and we'd had trouble at the train station. We'd been told we were being spying on, spied on. I knew that already. But then they had admitted that the KGB had admitted they were spying on us. Horrible hotel. Oh, my goodness. Hor- everything was horrible. We left on the train after three nights, and I said, I, I don't think we'll ever be invited back. I don't think I ever want to come back. Well, 11 years later, we're back. Soviet Union's free. It's no longer the Soviet Union. Lithuania's got their independence. I go back. My same translator, he says, hey, the Russian Pentecostals want to meet you. I said, really? They hated us. He said, no, no, those men have all passed away. They're all with the Lord now, and I believe they are. So they're all with the Lord now. There's someone newer, and they want to see you. So I go over, and I'll I'll go through this really fast, but I go over there, and the Bible school president said, I was in the meeting that morning, and you, you... and then that afternoon, you did a song about seven Hebrew words for praise. Well, I'd written a song called Seven Ways to Praise the Lord before Carmen ever wrote about it. So, <laughs> so uh, he had better PR. But I'd, I'd written this, this song, and he said, and you, you spoke on seven different ways. to. And I have my notes here, and he had memorized it. He said, that afternoon changed my life 11 years ago. I'm now the president of Bible school, and I want to thank you because it set us free. Wow. And then the other guy, there's the pastor there. He said, and that morning when you spoke, that morning when you spoke from Ezra, and you said that the old people were 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 mourning over the old temple, and the young people were rejoicing over the new one, and you confronted our congregation that we needed to stop the war between the old and the young, and he said that changed my life, and he said I knew, I knew I wanted to do something new, and he said now I'm the bishop, and we now have forty, hmm. what do you say, forty one, forty two churches. And I've always wanted to say you, that day changed my life. Well, now I'm starting to cry, right? So then that afternoon, the translator says, now the charismatic church, which is a brand new thing over there. He said, those guys, they, the pastor wants to see you. Well, I'd never met this guy, I thought. I'd never met him. So I go over there. My wife and I are there. And he's, he wants you to come Thursday night. So this is like a Tuesday. So th- he wants you to speak Thursday, Thursday night, but he wants you to come early. I said, okay. So I'm, I've heard about this guy. So I go over. And he's, he's uh, showing us around a school that they had started and, I mean, all kinds of innovative stuff he's doing. And I knew he's, on a Thursday night he's going to have 1,000 people. So I think, okay, this church is really moving and, you know, going and blowing kind of a thing. I get there, and I think, he said, I'll introduce you tonight. I'm thinking, how's he going to introduce us? We've never met. And he got up, and he said, on a Saturday night in the basement of the old Pentecostal church before the Sunday service, this guy sang, and he said, it was the first time I ever saw anyone worship the Lord with joy, and it changed my life. And he oh said, now goodness. we have 35 daughter churches, and I've always wanted to say thank you. So out of that horrible first experience, there were 77 churches had been planted because of one seed that had been planted 11 years earlier. Wow. Wow. And you never thought you'd get to go back and see any of these I never things. wanted to go back. Yeah. We, were re- we were rejected the first time. Yeah. Oh, I remember the story of just thinking about you're invited by the Communist Party over for that concert <laughs> that, was, that time. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was so so funny. At, Terry Law spoke after about three or four songs. He got bold and he went up. He had remarks planned about Copernic- Copernicus and Chopin and famous Poles. And this is during Soviet times, right, back in the 70s. He gets up, and he just goes through that in 30 seconds, and he starts talking about how he'd been a teenage alcoholic, because we're in a nightclub, and they're all swilling beer, and how he'd been a teenage alcoholic, and God had changed him, and he said, Marx and Lenin didn't know the way. Jesus is the way. Well, he's saying this in a communist country. Yeah. So as soon as he walks off stage, as soon as he walks off stage, they take him by the arm into the basement. So in between concerts, they were raising money for the communist parties. They wanted to let us sing our songs again so they'd get another crowd to raise more money, but they didn't want him on the stage. 
So I go down into the basement. They've got our whole team in there. I think I was the last one down. And I look down at him. They've got him. It's a, it's a card table with a light bulb hanging oh off my the dingy ceilings like out of a grade B movie. <laughs> Almost black and white when I walked in. Interrogation room. And, and they were interrogating him, accusing us of being CIA plants and all this kind of stuff. And I looked down at Terry, and he looked over at me, and he kind of grinned. He was having the time of his life. And, of course, that night resulted in his becoming famous in Poland. But, yeah, they were threatening <laughs> oh us goodness. all kinds of ways. But it was remarkable. How God uses things like that. We just have no way to know it from the beginning, what's going to happen in the end. No, it's true. And it's that, true. That is a beautiful story. I know uh, you miss Terry. I know that he made a, a real imprint, not only on you, but uh, on people across the world. And yeah. thank God for him. People like him. And thank God for you, Jim. I really mean that. I'm so honored to have you. And I wish I wish I could have captured that moment recently with my wife when I'm sitting there on the, in our morning devotion time, listening to one of your songs from Lamb of God and thinking, I've got to give my buddy Jim uh, <laughs> a, a text. And then boom, here we are. Here we are talking about Ukraine of all places. Yeah. Congratulations again on what you've done there, raising that money for all those people who are desperate. JamesGilbert.org, that's the website, friends. And uh, Jim, we thank you so much. I'm glad you're doing well. You look great, man. Stay healthy for God and keep thank the you. work going on. We'll be back in Poland and probably in Ukraine in, in May. And we want to we wanna see, we've got three ministries in particular we want to really support. We're, we, this time we have, we can send support all the way behind the enemy lines this time with two different ministries over there, um, people that I really, really trust. So, yeah, we want to do some good things there. You'll, you'll find out more this coming week on jamescooper.org. I'm getting ready to do a big update. So. All right. Very good. And friends, thanks for being with me today on yet another program right here on The Shepherd Afternoons with Mike. We'll see you next time.